You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. Welcome to Millionaires and Wealth Podcast with Jason Clark. This is episode number 76. If you're new to the show or whether you've been listening for a while, we appreciate you tuning into the podcast. On this podcast, we share the stories and strategies of everyday millionaires and unveil their portfolio allocations. Our hope is to bring these stories to you and help all of us learn about how these millionaires have achieved success. Special thanks to Equity Multiple for supporting the show. One of the tried and true paths to becoming and staying a millionaire is establishing passive income streams. Perhaps the most tried and true passive income channel for savvy investors is commercial real estate. Equity Multiple connects accredited investors with pre-vetted exclusive commercial real estate investments with investment minimums as low as $10,000. With Equity Multiple, you can allocate a meaningful portion of your portfolio to professionally managed commercial real estate and create a stronger more diverse forward portfolio. Head to equitymultiple.com forward slash millionaires to learn more. Again, that's equitymultiple.com forward slash millionaires. Tell them Clark and Jace sent you. If you'd like to invest in our multifamily opportunities, please reach out to us at millionairesunveiled at gmail.com and we'll jump on a call with you to discuss these opportunities and strategies. We partner with a couple groups that have a long track record of success and great returns. We have opportunities available now for both accredited and non-accredited investors in different locations throughout the country. On last week's episode, we featured Hunter. Hunter is a financial advisor. His net worth is around $1.4 million. He has the money invested in the markets, both in retirement and non-retirement accounts, as well as some real estate. Next week, we'll have a guest interview. If you'd like to be on the show, send us an email at millionairesunveiled at gmail.com. We'd love to unveil your allocation and story and help others learn about your investing mindset and success. This week, we have Scott. He has a net worth between six and seven million. He is an asset protection attorney and invests primarily in his business and real estate. So without further ado, let's get into the show with Scott. Scott, do you want to just tell us a little bit about your background and what you're doing now? Uh, yeah, so my background is uh, I'm a real estate investor. I'm an asset protection attorney. I own a company called Royal Legal Solutions, um, and I help real estate investors all over the country you know, protect and hide their assets. Um, and uh, we've come up with a, I came up with a solution about six years ago that snowballed into multiple solutions that were actually came about because I had real estate investor friends that were hitting me with like a bunch of questions, and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to dive into this and actually figure it out, um, and that way I can really tell people what's going on. And then it kind of like accidentally, in a way, turned into a business because I just started helping so many people. But when I'm not doing that, you know, I climbed Kilimanjaro last March. Um, I'm into jumping off cliffs every chance I get on rope swings that are on my Facebook page, you know, there in Zion National Park and in Moab, you know, canyon swings and whatnot, and just trying to live a badass life uh, as best I can. That's cool. So let's rewind here just a little bit. Did you initially out of law school go into real estate as an attorney or did that kind of just take shape because of the, the questions and stuff that your friends were asking you? No, man. Uh, I actually bought my first piece of real estate and ran a transmission and auto repair shop out of that piece of real estate during my second and third year of law school, then flipped the business in the company to pay off all my law school debts. 
And then I was like, I want to go be a litigator because I was really good at that during law school until I realized that like litigation attorneys like hate their lives and are supposed to be an alcoholics and drug addicts just like across the board. And I was like, nope, I'm going back to real estate because like all you people are not making enough money to be this miserable. Um, and so like, I'm going to go back to something I love and I get like real estate, which has always been a big passion of mine. And so I was like, started getting back into it. And then I started going to all the meetup groups, you know, get good connected, get all my networks going, blah, 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 blah. Um, and that's when people actually started hiring me to you know, start looking into what do they need to do? Cause they had like, you know, $5 million in single family homes. And they're like, all of these solutions look ridiculous. And everybody's telling me different stuff. Can you actually just come back with like the definitive answer? Uh, and so, uh, then I took two months, crushed every book. And uh, business is born. That's cool. And what's your net worth today? Uh, right now, depends how you want to measure it. I measure my net worth in love, so it's pretty high. Atta boy. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, good love of a good woman, a fine dog, you know, it's, it's good to have. I love them. My girlfriend, Jessica, we've been together for four years. And uh, my dog, Franny, she's like this labradoodle who is absolutely a pain that I ass and I love her at the same time. And I totally like, Understand now, like the very like nascent stages of like what it means to be a parent, but how you can love something and have it annoy you constantly. Um, but I think if I were to actually tally up things at dollars, I think that we're somewhere around like six to seven million in assets. And I don't even know how to judge the uh, net worth of Royal Legal because of um, because of the growth that we're having. Like we five x income this year alone. Yeah. Right. So it's like, what's the value of that company? I don't know. But it's a lot more money than I ever freaking had. I can tell you that. And how how do you typically invest? You know, all of your net worth and and the money that your business kicks off. So the money that a business kicks off, I'm usually just pulling back in the business because my business is actually my muse. It's the thing that I enjoy doing more than anything else, besides my girlfriend and playing with my dog. But the money from uh, real estate and my other investments, I have that structured such that that it uh, is as passive as it possibly can be. Um, so I'm not doing any active management on any of it because uh, right now, 100% of my attention is into Royal Legal, right? Um, so if Royal Legal, you know, if I'm exiting out of that, I'll probably get back into like more active deals. But my philosophy has always been that says if you're actually a high creative person, trying to actively manage your money usually is, is not a good use of your time because you can always make tons more money with your energy by finding new opportunities and finding ways to help more people and creating more business than you're ever going to make, you know, going from a 10 to 13 percent interest rate. Yeah. You know, you know, we talk to some people that are small business owners and it's it's hard sometimes, I think, for them to determine how much to put back into the business and how much to pull out and invest in other places. So how have you found that balance? Uh, I don't know if I'm the most balanced on that. I actually don't believe in balance. Uh, what I believe in is having enough net worth uh, as horizontal income. I call it horizontal income. It's like your passive income that's going to be there no matter what to live your lifestyle by that the money that you actually make isn't real money. The real, the only real money you get is the passive income that you get from your investments and you structure your lifestyle around that and you get comfortable with that. Then all the other money that you would make through your businesses or other endeavors is only money to you to the extent that you can invest it in something and it kicks you off additional passive income and increase your living standard as such. Otherwise, spend the money however the hell you want. Because like, if you think about it, like your risk profile should only be about decisions you're making that impact your lifestyle. So once you get that set to what that needs to be for you, um, then everything else really doesn't matter all that much. Yeah, it's a different way of thinking, right? To build up the horizontal income, have different income streams and, and kind of be able to live off of that versus just having a $2 million and, and that's kind of my you know financial independence number and then I'm going to retire and be good. So 
Yeah. Your real estate portfolio, what do you have? Single family, multifamily? Um, single family, multifamily. I've got some commercial properties, syndications, I've done some notes. And at any given time, I invested in, you know, over 10 different states. Um, a lot of the deals I do actually do with my own clients because they'll pay me to review deals and I'm like, holy smokes, this is good. So I put money into it and also built a lot of credibility, I think, on um, staying active as well as, you know, having faith, um, in the deals that you're getting, right? Like you're active and showing people that, uh, that you're a serious person and a serious investor yourself. So I usually go where all the opportunity at. I don't, see a ton of opportunity inside of owning and acquiring a bunch of assets right now. I think there's a lot of money on like the undevelopment side and lending side, but you know, it really depends on uh, what your risk profile is too. So you mentioned net worth, six, seven million and lots of love. Oh, you mentioned it's a lot more than you think you'd have, right? Did you have goals initially? Did you have a net worth goal or a horizontal income goal or... No, I probably didn't do anything the way I'm supposed to, right? Um, I think what you're supposed to do after I've listened to more and more podcasts, you're supposed to like set out your goals and like write them and like look at them on the board like every day, right? To be able to like inspire yourself and have like a vision board of what it is you're trying to create. Um, what I did was pretty different is that um, I covered like what my batna would be. Like I had enough investments coming out of law school that I could, you know, take that and uh, live off of that um, while uh, and not really have to work. Right. Um, if I didn't want to, but I'd have to live like exceptionally small uh, lifestyle to be able to do that. Um, and then it's like almost by accident along the way that I was like, okay, well, actually, I'm cool here. I don't need a lot to be happy. I have to tell you the truth a pair of hiking boots and a mountain, and I'm having the best day of my life. And those things are pretty close to free. So uh, I just went really strong into what is it that I felt exceptionally passionate about. And then knowing that along the way that if I kept my mind active and thinking about business, which is is pretty normal for me because um, I love Tim Ferriss and a lot of the eight, you know, other great um, guys that created these awesome frameworks of how to think about businesses, marketing and sales, et cetera, that if I just pursued what I was passionate about, I would find a tremendous business. Um, and so I've never had a trouble finding money uh, because the passion led the energy and then the frameworks for my education just let me see the opportunity. And then it was just like picking money up off the ground. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the quote about finding something you love and you feel like you'll never work a day in your life, right? And and once you kind of find that passion, it's easier to, to do it and make money and the money kind of falls. Yeah, a little bit, right? I think a lot of people miss it and they think like, oh, well, to get my passion, I need to be poor. And it's like, no, 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 you pursue your passion and you learn how businesses work. And then you, you'll see the opportunity in the products that you can sell. And then you can pursue what you're passionate about. And then what's really cool, actually, is the creative process of how do you make a bunch of money? Because it's like the more creative you are, the more problems you can solve and the more difficulties you can push through is where you get to higher and higher income levels. But I don't believe in being pursuing your passions and being poor. I think that's just a cop out for people that don't want to work hard. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think it's good advice. So back to the real estate deals, what do you look for? What's kind of a profile of a good real estate investment for you? Do you have a certain IRR you're looking for, a cash on cash, or, or what? what's the profile of an ideal investment for you? Well, ideal investments really depend upon where you're at in market cycles. It also depends on like what's going on with your current portfolio. I'm a really big fan of um, only buying things that are really priced under market, right? I want there's something to be ugly about this deal that I'm going to figure out that other people can't have it spent the time and energy to figure out. I bank on the fact that most people are lazy or that they don't really want to study to really understand what's going on. So I'll try to find things like notes that are ugly notes that I can buy at, you know, 10 cents on the dollar 
But then I can use my background to be able to work through that to be able to see actually what's the real value of this node. And I have a litigation background, right? So I can look at that and weigh litigation risks. So the more I found that I can leverage work ethic as well as um, education um, into a market of acquiring the asset, the more money I make. So buying things at like market rates or that anybody could just go out and buy and it's just plain Jane, I think that's always a, you know, a bad deal in my mind, right? I'd rather save my money. And just let inflation eat it away until I can find um, the the place where I can see that like other people don't want to do the effort or don't have the education or don't want to educate themselves to be able to capitalize on the opportunity. Yeah, kind of find the time in the rough. So solutions for real estate professionals in, in in asset protection. Maybe sell us on this Royal Legal Solutions. What's it all about? Who needs it? Who can benefit? Uh, yeah, so uh, asset protection is for people, anybody that has two plus properties um, and over a quarter million dollars in net worth. Um, your asset protection becomes a value play. We usually think between you know zero and one million, you look at three percent. You should spend about three percent of your net worth to be able to protect your assets. Over one million, you're starting to look at like a one percent rule for how much you should spend for it. Um, the thing that we do that people uh, love is that we use a series LLC structure, which you can form in Texas, Delaware, Nevada, and you can use it anywhere throughout the United States. Um, using trust structures, you're actually able to hide your ownership of the properties as well as the company. You can wrap everything up in one bank account, one tax return, one EIN number, um, and you're also able to offload all of the maintenance, compliance, yearly filings, and everything on a Royal Legal Solutions. So that way, you as the investor are able to just make deals and keep track of the money. Uh, and we provide unlimited ongoing support by phone or email for any questions that people have about the real estate of business, you know, at any time, right? So it's a great way to have uh, the maximum protections, have it be affordable, have somebody else do all the work for you, and then have all the support you need to be able to know exactly what you need to do for your next steps by turning to professionals instead of just turning to the internet. And I think that's what's led to our tremendous growth and having over 2,000 clients and protecting $1.3 billion in assets across the country. Yeah, that's awesome. So if, if somebody has more than five pro- or two properties, I guess you said, would it would it behoove them to look into asset protection with you and, and, and is above that note? Or, or would they say, hey, maybe I'll wait till I get to that million dollar mark? I mean, wh- what are kind of the fees and the structure of what, what somebody should you know expect to spend? Yeah, so you, asset protection is not like a yes or no thing, right? First of all, you always have insurance in place because insurance takes care of all of the the low-hanging fruit of problems that can happen, that 80% of things that can happen to you. Um, I've had people that I know that have lost over $3 million from a single lawsuit when they thought their insurance was enough to protect them. They didn't understand that insurance only protects you from accidents. It doesn't protect you against any of the other types of liability that exist. Um, so when you look at asset protection, you know, you first start with having insurance, and then you say, well, how can I stop somebody from suing me that was looking to sue me? You'd say, well, the first thing I want to do is actually make it look like I qualify for food stamps. So I'm going to hold all my properties in anonymous trust. They're all going to point back to a law firm. So that way the information is protected by attorney-client privilege. Well, trust alone just gives you anonymity. It doesn't provide you protection. So then you need to pair that with an LLC structure. So that way it doesn't look like you own anything. If anybody sues you, they can't get to your assets because it's actually owned by this LLC and trust structure, right? Um, and that's what we specialize in is making sure that that's effective and that the assets are transferred in a way that allows you to have the financing terms and the best financing terms to close on the properties in your personal name and transfer it into the land trust to avoid the due on sale clause and all the ins and outs um, that real estate investors need. And that's why we exclusively you know, serve entrepreneurs and real estate investors as our sole client base. 
is because real estate investing is actually a complicated business. Um, and so from my background as a real estate investor, I'm uniquely positioned to be able to advise other real estate investors on not only the legal pieces they need, but also the tax as well as what's operationally required for them to actually do all of it and kind of hold their hand through the whole thing. Yeah, that's interesting. So I want to switch gears here just a little bit and talk a little bit about your mindset growing up around money and around business. And did you grow up in a household with entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial parents? Oh, no. We were a bunch of dorks, I think, growing up, to tell you the truth. I mean, all educators. I mean, my mom was an educator. My sister turned out to be an educator. My brother's an electrical engineer. And the other one's like a finance whiz, right? Not a single one of them. Every single one of them wanted to do business. But none of them could bring themselves to do it until uh, my brother did, you know, seven years ago. But that was really late in life when he was already, I don't know, he's like 48, 49, 50, right? Uh, to start his own um, practice. So entrepreneurialism was never part of the blood of the family. I was raised by a single mom um, who was a teacher. So she was making $40,000 a year and trying to support all these kids, you know? And um, so we never really had money either. But what we did have, which I think is fundamental to my success, is that we always had uh, like a curious discussion about ideas. And I will tell you right now, in hindsight, it was ridiculous because most of the stuff that we were talking about was totally wrong. But where everybody was coming up with ideas and rationales for why their idea was correct. So it was like a high level of engagement and argumentation and thinking through like ideas that could be right or wrong and why they would be and arguing with each other all the time. And it was fun. You know, it was like in this fun atmosphere. And it's before the age of the Internet, really. So you could really just make up any idea that you wanted to. And as long as you were confident enough about it and had some good rationales, you could most of the time you could convince people, you know, that you were actually right. But uh, but money was never a part of what we had. But it, but since I was in first grade, I actually had like a something I found in a journal um, from my first grade that it said, like, what is your life going to be like as an adult? And, and first grade. I was already writing about how we were going to take a limousine from my house in Houston to the nicest restaurant in Texas. And, you know, I was going to take my whole family and blah, 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 blah. So having money was a desire that I had from the time that I was really small. And like I knew that having wealth was going to be something that was a cornerstone of, of what I was going to create in the future. That's awesome. And so what goals do you have now? Do you have a, a financial a net worth goal, a horizontal income goal? Yeah, um, I'd like to be worth $100 million by the time I'm done working. Um, and then I'd like to be able to work on starting different groups and organizations that encourage people to marry the best ideas that we have about business with how does it actually tie into, like, you know, I hate this term, but like inner strength, you know, your spiritual strength, like how complete you are as a person. Uh, for me, that is a dynamic shift in my life um, such that, um, I find that they're very closely correlated. You know, some people, Kyle, talk about it being like good stewards. Like you, you will never have the wealth that, um, that you want until you're actually, uh, a good, you could be a good steward of the money and the power that's given to you. Right. Um, that's why great groups like Abundance and David Osborne and a lot of those guys that are, um, really high net worth individuals that talk about that as, as a prerequisite to, to having the tremendous wealth. But from what I see time and time again, you know, um, the more wealth that I have, I already have more money than I'll ever need. But the money then becomes something that's really different. It's like an ability to be able to influence things that I care about, knowing that whatever I'm going to do with it probably won't really make that much of a difference in the grand scheme of things. But it makes a lot of difference to me because 
I know that I helped that person. And it gets down to that micro level of, you know, how can you help more people um, at some point after you can get over the fact of, uh, you know, you need so much money so that you can feel X, right? At some point, you realize that it's, you, know, you could actually be okay kind of without all the money. But then why do you do it is because it's the fun of the creation, you know, and that's what it still is for me until it stops being that way. And then I'll stop. Yeah, it, it's interesting. You know, we've had people on the show that say, hey, I have a net worth goal of 1.2 million bucks, right? I want to reach fire and we've got this whole new fire movement that's going on or, or kind of becoming more popular. And then you come on and say, hey, my goal is 100 million. And, you know, I, I think people have different goals. But what do you think of the fire movement? Obviously, you know, you're a hundred times more than some people have, you know, for this million dollar goal. I, I think what it is, is that every individual is going to be different about what it is that they want, right? And they want to create. I personally could be happy, like living in a travel van, touring around the country. So for me, like money becomes something that's really different, right? Uh, to me, like money is like a way that I'm playing a game and money is a way that I keep score of how well I'm doing. You know, but it's like a game I'm playing with myself and that I create all the rules about. If people are creating uh, money goals that are like 1.2 million, right? But they're probably trying to get us as saying, I need that amount of money so that I can do something else or I can feel safe in making a different decision in my life. And that's great. What I would encourage those people to do, though, is start living the lifestyle that you would have as if you had the money already. You know, if it's like once I have $1.2 million, then I can experience X. The reality is you could probably go ahead and go out and experience X right now. There's nothing that you can experience with $1.2 million that you can't experience today. So you can start living the life that you really want today. You don't have to wait until the future, until some other undetermined event before you can really start, you know, really manifesting the lifestyle that you want. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's great advice. So has the high net worth and, and lots of money and freedom and kind of been able to influence some of these things, has that influenced your, your happiness and your confidence levels? Well, first of all, I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily all that free. I think that that's probably an illusion, right? Is that I think you find that with the more money that you acquire, the more, and as if you're somebody like me anyway, you actually become deeper into like what you're doing. And your stress levels actually increase significantly, but like it's your use stress. It's like the stress of engagement, uh, being involved like deep into a creative process of, and by that I mean actually creating things from something and creating from uh, something out of nothing. So you, you end up getting like this high levels of stress, right? Good luck kinds of stress, some bad, uh, but good kinds of stress. And the trade off for that is high engagement. And to me, that's how I say it's like, that's how I know I'm having a good life. And then I institute things like meditation, yoga, boxing, wrestling, jujitsu, kickboxing um, to help me manage like those stress pieces. Because the alternative is actually to be uh, have really nothing much to do and being really bored and depressed. So for somebody with my personality type, I have to almost choose between the two. And so I have, and for I've elected to choose the the stressful and high engaging life, and then building all these compensating pieces and with yoga and whatnot into it. I I, I think that the, the a lot of the messaging that you hear about it's financial freedom after you hit a certain point, now your life is on coast because you've already solved all the problems is total bullshit. Because what happens is that if you're not happy now with your life, money won't solve the problem. Money might be able to create more time to do the things that you're already creating in your life that you really enjoy, but it ain't going to solve the problems that you have and ain't going to make you any happier. 
just to kind of wrap up here, how how would somebody go about finding a real estate investment? Maybe they want to create some of that passive income for themselves, or maybe they want to start a business. Where do they kind of start? They're just graduating college. Where do they go? Yeah, so I would typically go to whoever's going to any local meetup groups that you have for entrepreneurs that are actually bringing in guest speakers that are uh, professionals from the community that are coming in. Don't just go to general entrepreneurship groups. You're just going to find a bunch of people there that like talking about ideas but aren't actually doing anything. You need to find people that are going to start giving you better information about sales and marketing and you know business philosophies, et cetera, and entrench yourself inside of, of those groups. I would say to you that we also have a ton of resources on royallegalsolutions.com about entrepreneurialism. I'm on a ton of entrepreneurial podcasts um, talking about what are the business structures and strategies and what I use to be able to start Royal Legal Solutions and how I, my approach is to, to think about that. I think that'd probably be a good way to go. I think I'm pretty good at, at it. I'm not like, you know, Jeff Bezos good, but like I really, I think I do a good job of explaining it in a way that people can understand it. And uh, I would just start crushing a lot of podcasts too. You know, great podcasts like this one, um, as well as ones that you want to target, you know, for, for people that are really good at breaking down information in a way that's really usable. I found Tim Ferriss to be um, really good with that, especially like that old book that he has from the four hour work week is, uh, in some ways, you know, one of my, you know, go to books when I'm like, you know, in a funk, you know, and I'm like, man, I can't, I can't get over the hump on, on this problem that I'm having. Um, I'll start picking up like that book, scaling up track and uh, just start to read. And then what I find is that reading the books and listening to the podcast, almost inevitably, it doesn't matter what I'm picking up as long as I'm just taking the time to get out there and start reading. So I'll find the answers that I need. Awesome. Once again, that's Scott from Royal Legal Solutions. Thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled Podcast with Clark Sheffield and Chase Mattinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.